Welcome, welcome to another uh, Intergrove podcast. I am your host, Bloater Punch. I'm here with Baby Punch and Sandwich Punch, as well as our special guest, Petrify. Petrify, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going? Awesome. Um, uh, we'd love to kick off and just hear a little bit about you, Petrify. What, what have you been up to? Um, why are you know, known so well in the community? Projects you've worked on? We'd love to hear some info. Yeah, so um, I think uh, the the main reason I'm known in the community is uh, I released a, a a blog on Medium, um, sort of talking about speculation on how heroes might be used in PvP, um, and that blog came from basically my experience of being a game designer. Um, so. I worked on probably like the first or one of the first big play to earn games for about two years called Gods Unchained, um, which is made by Immutable, who have like one of the biggest layer twos on Ethereum now, um, which all started from us needing to scale Gods Unchained and gas fees got really high. So like, fuck, what do we do? Um, and then that spawned, that spawned the whole layer two. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, probably I'm most well-known for this blog. Like I posted it like, well, like two months ago now, and I get messages every day being like, oh, Hey, this is awesome. Can you clarify a few things? Like, what do you think about this? Um, which is really cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a game designer. Um, I work in mobile games at the moment. Um, I left, left the play to earn world and working in the, the casual world to, to try and get a bit more skilled at different things that I wasn't used to. So how did and you get I, into? Oh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, I was gonna say I also used to uh, stream on Twitch as like a esports competitor in card games like uh, Gwent, Artifact, Rune Terror, Magic: The Gathering, all those. Wait, Artifact is in Dota Two Artifact? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was really, really good at that. I was very sad it died. I feel like Gabe oh. owes me a lot of money. Yeah, we we carry we <laughs> all carry some scars from from that one. Um, how did you get into DFK? Uh, so I have a friend um, who's very into like NFTs, and um, he he got into NFTs actually because of like me working on Gods Unchained. Like I I got him and exposed him to that, and then he just went like really deep. Um, and basically, like his full time job right now is flipping NFTs. Wow. Um, and he was like, "Hey man, like check this out. Um, what do you think?" And I looked, started looking into it. And to me, like, uh, so I started working on Gods Unchained in like 2018. So like well before most people in like the mainstream knew about NFTs or even play to earn. Um, and I've watched basically every project um, from like a perspective of a game designer and not really believed in any of them for a multitude of reasons. Hmm. Um, but the... The one like DFK really did catch my eye because firstly, the art style that it's chosen is very low cost. Like you can develop really, really quickly, which is a huge thing for these um, non-game developer teams that are trying to spin up a game. Like like games like Alluvium and um, any game that you see that's like trying to like show all these amazing graphics and all this like really crazy scope. Like that sort of thing takes like years and years and years and years of you know, multi-billion dollar game studios to make. Um, so when I look at all these games, like promising, like amazing things, I just like kind of dismiss them from a perspective of, well, you haven't made any games before and, you know, the cost to make it is going to be obscene and you're going to need to hire like an insane amount of game developers um, who really know what they're doing. So DFK caught my eye because it was like, okay, they're keeping it quite simple. It's browser-based, it's like pixel art. So that's very, very cheap to develop with. It seems to be focused mostly on the gamification of DeFi, which I think exposes like a lot of the crypto natives to um, the gaming world rather than the other way around, which is most of these games are trying to expose the gaming natives to the crypto world. So I figured there's like a lot easier entry to DeFi kingdoms compared to any other game. And also like I looked at what they had released and like what they were releasing and it didn't seem too far-fetched to me to to develop it pretty quickly. And I think they've stood by that. Like you can see their, their release cycle is literally weekly, which is um, 
completely batshit crazy for any like normal game developer. Um, but they're keeping up with it, so that's good. So are you happy? Yeah. What's your current read on the current state of the game? Uh, and let's exclude macroeconomic out of uh, out of their yeah. out of DK's control. What do you think the current state is? Are you still very bullish? Um, what is your current position on DFK? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm extremely bullish. Like, I think that they're doing the completely right thing by focusing on uh, moving to like Avalanche and potentially other chains in the future. Um, that's going to be the best way for them to capture uh, bigger market share. Like, we know Harmony is a very small chain compared to most of the other ones. Um, and I think that, you know, what they have delivered right now is, is very, very high quality. So, um, until they give me a reason to be, uh, negative about it, I'm, I'm going to keep being bullish. Um, and I, I'm probably someone who has like a very bearish mindset. Like, uh, I don't know. There's like tweets from like Satstar, like don't flood my bags and all that stuff. Like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm very good at finding holes in projects, uh, but there's very little in DFK. So for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep being bullish. Okay. Here's a question then for the panel. Let's start with Petrify. Uh, I think Petrify, you could set the stage on this and then we'll get the panel's opinion. So um, I, I'm of the opinion, and I think Sandwich Punch told me before this that you were kind of shared this or had a thought on this. Um, so it seems like, and I said this on a different episode, on my, de on my deathbed with my children surrounding me, my wife holding my hands, <laughs> I will only have one regret, and that will be not using my capital in the gardens and instead buying heroes. So what is your take on heroes? Um, I look at the value I get from heroes, and I regret still having heroes. I wish I just held Jewel in the gardens. So um, we've been a while now. You know, It's multiple months since the launch and having these heroes. What's your take on heroes? Um, why or why not is DFK doing a good job incentivizing holding heroes? So let's just start, start there. And I think there's a couple of different angles we're going to be able to attack from, but can we just get your high level thoughts and then we'll go to the other members of the panel? Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely my opinion. I completely agree with you from like a profit perspective, like they haven't done enough to uh, basically incentivize owning heroes versus gardens or even extra, um, you know, heroes are like depreciated relative to jewel over time. Uh, and then when you factor in the, cost of you know the opportunity cost of getting you know liquidity pool rewards or the numerous airdrops from x jewel for me like it hasn't felt extremely beneficial to own heroes um i will say like there has been a lot of opportunities that heroes provide you to like to to earn more with so like uh isolating like summoning like inefficiencies in the tavern and flipping like uh oh for sure I, yeah the market itself but, is inefficient in exactly heroes. right but that's probably not um <laughs> right the not intended because of the yeah and it's probably not because of something that dfk developers are doing themselves um but yeah i have a lot of strong opinions on like the current airdrop structure they've been doing and why i think it's not great for the at least short-term health of the game um I don't know if you want me to get into that or if you want to get the other. Yeah, let's. Opinion, so. so Samich and Baby Punch, you both have considerable hero positions. So let's hear from you. Do you feels bad or feels okay? Um, your thoughts. Let's go Samich and then Baby Punch. And then let's circle back and let's hear more from Petrify on, on the airdrops. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that have to, that have to be considered. And it's like, yeah, would I like to buy a hero for 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks? and just have that always go up in value yes i would love that i but like there's things that are, have to be balanced like right like we want more people to get into the game so how do we do that and keep a five a one thousand dollar minimum hero cost how do we how do we continue to have you know i think in the last two weeks my last well watch report we had almost twenty thousand heroes summoned in a two-week period like you can't have that and have um you know, so you can't have that, which maybe you're saying that leads to adoption. Maybe you say, no, that doesn't mean that there's more adoption. But regardless, you can't have that amount of summoning and hero prices stay where they are. So I think I'm kind of just 
on the fence about it. I don't feel like the thing that they're doing anything that is negatively impacting the price of heroes. I think that we're all just still trying to figure out how this market and environment is going to work long term. You know, you have Gen Zeros who can summon an infinite amount of times. Those will every three days create Gen Ones that can create ten more summons for very cheap. So, you know, the jury's kind of out on that one for me. I, but I do think that they are trying. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear Petrify's thoughts, but I think that the airdrops that they're doing are trying to incentivize people to hold. And when people hold their heroes, then, you know, theoretically that should increase the price. They've hinted towards this burning. I'm really interested to see what happens with that. And whatever it ends up being, I bet it'll be big. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of just waiting to see, you know, the, the hero market has been extremely volatile. If, for anybody that was in, right when like the tavern started launching or when summoning opened up <coughs> excuse me we had like this craze where like you could sell anything like the garbage bottom of the barrel hero for like 200 jewel and it was like a craze and you know will we see something like that with a huge influx of players that are on avalanche that are maybe too lazy or just not willing to bridge over and get in yet and they're just waiting for it to launch there who knows so kind of right. waiting to see how some of this stuff pans out baby punch um yeah so when quest first launched i was hoping that kind of the rewards would be a little bit better um it seems like fishing forging and sometimes even gardening if you don't have a big lp pool it does seem a little underwhelming so i was hoping that the rewards would be a little bit better but they have mentioned many times that heroes um you know professions and is a very small part of the game so we're kind of trying to peg a value to these heroes in an roi to the heroes where when the game isn't that far along to be honest i mean it's been six months maybe since the game's been out they've developed a ton they're you know they didn't have a a playbook to go off so they're as they're developing this uh game we're kind of hopefully we'll continue to see more ROI from these heroes. And as combat comes out, higher level professions come out. You know, my hope is that we're going to see a much higher ROI. So even from questing, even though that's not uh, the main focus of the heroes, they, they said, you know, combat and everything is going to be a really big part of this game. So I'm hoping that we'll just, we'll see that it, it's coming down the road. It may be not, is there right now but I, you know i've got to think it's it'll be there i i've got to believe it it'll be there for an roi so petrify um what are your thoughts then on the airdrops and you know i think you've said i think you just said and i think you've said before they may not be doing enough to incentivize holding heroes um what are your thoughts on the airdrops and how do you think they could do it better um so like going back to the first airdrop that really involved heroes um I think a lot of the attention is like not given from developers. Like they're not putting a lot of time into into these airdrops when it comes to the hero perspective. Like for example, the the first hero airdrop was based off of the rarity of of heroes. So um, anyone who owns high uh, high quality heroes knows that rewarding based off of purely rarity is a mistake. Because you know I had like I know people with dread knights, right? And those Dread Knights earn less crystal or jewel than an uncommon monk. Um, so, like, like, firstly, like, as soon as I read that, I was like, okay, well, there's clearly, like, not a lot of thought that's been put into how do we maintain the value of these heroes. Because mm -hmm. um, so, it, it, was, it was only based off of one metric, which is not a great one. Um, secondly, like, I don't think that these airdrops should be putting so much value on the gardens um like that was really weird to me like if they just shifted all of that garden rewards into hero rewards that would have done mm. way way more for the hero market um then we have things like most of their incentives are around um two things so like right now it's like summoning um which is not rewarding people holding heroes it's rewarding people who own gen zeros um or people basically gambling 
it doesn't reward the people that maybe have like two or three heroes that got in in like i don't know november or something and have just held them the whole time and quested when they could um it only rewards people who are summoning which is usually gen zero owners and they they've already got like a gen zero they're making pretty good bank like and in fact by encouraging summoning you know they're not even uh preserving hero value they're actually like diluting hero value because there's more supply um then third the the hero leveling rewards that they have implemented are not feasible for players that are not willing to spend hundreds and hundreds of jewel into stamina potions um, right right yeah that kind of made yeah. me a little butt sore as well sandwich munch well i would just say i think there's like tiers of of how some of these airdrops work so i mean the gen zero one like the for hero levelers yeah that was like a whales game and it was five gen zeros and then there's the the other 10 gen zeros will be raffled to other people who hit high levels but there's also just the general hero leveling where everyone's getting like a crystal and a jewel per level and i think that just kind of it i mean i i'm always torn on this because as much as as you do or don't like it any any sort of crypto whether it's a game whether it's just a DeFi protocol whether it's just an nft project it it's always going to be the more that you put into it the more potential you have to earn from it and so like yes when you look at the the airdrops that are available to the guy who has like two two heroes it's it's less yeah he's not in the running for a gen zero because the guys that were going to get the guaranteed gen zeros spent like twenty thousand dollars on stamina potions and i mean i think that's just a function of of how most projects work where there are going to be whales who have higher rewards but they're also i mean they're spending twenty thousand dollars like who out there right now is just gonna be like i'm gonna drop 20k on this game right now so although doesn't that incentivize again is that the right behavior because ultimately you wouldn't even have to be a whale or have gotten in early you just need to have super deep pockets right that's it that was the yeah, only... but but somebody i mean so are you saying that's not a good incentive to be yeah. to for in someone other to words, throw 20k on stamina potion yeah like i just showed up to dfk today right and then i see frisky fox's message <clears throat> hey whoever gets this level first you're good you know you get this gen yeah zero. but how do they get those stamina potions yeah they put a crap well, ton of money into the yeah, economy well, how, but that yeah, doesn't well, reward yeah so what i'm saying is yeah but uh, it is it is rewarding because like okay the reality is if you've got one forager and one fisher like you've say you spent 400 bucks or whatever and you've got two floor heroes they're commons they're just farmers like the reality is your rewards are some ragweed some bloaters the occasional silverfin and what you're getting though is like when people spam those prices you saw like the prices fluctuate they go up and they're you know they're getting more out of those rewards and yeah okay it's hard to get excited about 50 cents reward versus 20 cents but you also i mean you only bought two heroes so i i don't know it's i don't know what you're expecting like what do you like do you expect to get yeah. like a 300 return in a month off of a 300 hero i just don't know like yeah I, I, that so, seems unrealistic petrify can you so, tell yeah. sandwich punch why i am right and you, you <laughs> i'll try i'll try so uh for, for me like the the way that you incentivize owning heroes um and you can it, it's not like you can either reward whales or you can reward uh here like people i'm not spending a lot like they can do both so the way that i would have structured like for instance the gen zero giveaway for for leveling up um is have it like each level of your character is a ticket something like this right so if i want to be a whale and i want to you know own a shitload of heroes and get more levels like as a whole i can do that but um you know average joe who owns like three or like maybe two or three heroes you know i'm still getting tickets i still have a chance like it increases the value of each hero based on this level rather than each you know level 10 hero um so that's one way to structure it where like, you know, whales have a better chance, but average Joe can still do well. Um, and uh, secondly, like the, and this maybe leads on to one of our future points, like the, the, the increasing of like cost of, you know, foraging and fishing materials by encouraging people to spam, uh, spam stamina spots 
Oh God, that's a tongue twister. Um, isn't <laughs> sustainable long term, and like the tokenomics of gold, uh, are such that the even with this, it's still going down. Like it's still not really great return, and it's getting worse over time. Okay. So, so I think we should go then in this direction. I think this is where we've kind of like organically been going. And that is if I'm an average Joe, and I know Petrify, you've done an incredible amount of thinking about this. So we really want to get your thoughts. If I'm an average Joe and I've got three common uh, basic classes. I've got a monk, a knight, and a wizard. Um, does combat do anything for me acknowledging that I essentially have, I am bottom tier. I have no rarities. Um, I have no advanced classes, so should I be excited about combat, or am I just going to get pooped on because I can't afford the better, quote-unquote, um, classes, the better rarities, uh, higher levels? Uh, you know, am I st do I still have hope uh, for combat? And I know we were working with limited information, but what do you think from there? And then for, after we have that discussion, I'd love to get your take on what is an ideal three-set. Yeah, so totally like you're gonna have a worse PvP PvE team. Like, there's no there's no way around that. Of course, like, it's it's just the way it's designed. But in saying that, like, if if the the game designs are good, there's ways to structure it such that um, you can still compete and you can still have fun and still earn even with a worse PvP team. Like, you can mm -hmm. have leagues, you can have like uh, you know common only like zones where like PvE is based around. Like you can only enter the zone if you're entering with three common heroes. Like that could be a quest requirement, um, you know. And you could even structure it so that you know there's mythic only zones. Um, so there, there's definitely ways to you know still reward people who own commons. And I don't think anyone with commons should be scared that hey, my commons are going to be useless in PvE or PvP as as long as the the game designers you know know what they're doing. Um, okay. But in saying that, if there's like a free for all league, of course you're gonna get dumpstered by the guy with three mythics. Like that's just that's just how the like like as Simon was saying, this is just how this thing, these things work. Like um, okay, so what so, do you think that looks like? Do you think that's gonna be? Because I saw some guys speculating about the use of uh, the atonement crystals and how those could be really high value in an environment where you have essentially tiers. And you're in like you, you're purposely keeping your guys in the lowest tiers, but you're like maximizing your heroes for the lowest tier combat. Like, do you think yeah. there'll be like an MM? Do you do you envision like an MMR system? And do you think that would be hard to implement on like an on-chain game? Um, that totally could, could be happen. like levels. Or... Well, how would MMR work though if it's not skill-based? We're like pressing a button, right? Um, well, no, you can have you can have skill based things with pressing a button, like totally. So I don't know if you've seen the game AFK Arena, but that's sort of what I'm envisioning, um, which is like you before combat, like or before entering any battle, you set up like the the formation of your heroes, or like um, you set up which like order their moves are going in, hmm. um, and then maybe you press Q, and then it automates that battle versus someone else who's done the same thing. Uh, maybe there's an element of like rock paper scissors in that in like terms of you know did i structure it against their comp properly or not um so you can you can definitely have mmr ratings and skill based like way even though you just have to sign a transaction um but oh fuck, i forgot savage's question now um uh, i was just gonna say like do you because do you envision like the the way that they break it up because yeah you're like you're gonna have some wallets out there who just oh, like yeah. level 10 mythics like yeah. they can't be competing against the guy with three common floor heroes so yeah like, so do you have an mmr system to do that do you just do it based off of levels like as a game you know having had some game designing development with gods unchained like yeah how would you do that so like Totally, you could like do something like in World of Warcraft. Um, I don't know if you guys ever played, but there was like this system like with or called Twinks, I think, which is a very funny name. Um, so uh, in like the that's what I the, saw. That's what the tweet I saw was someone uh, who was talking about uh, that twinking. Uh, twinking yeah, is yeah. Oh, it's so scarring. <laughs> you can definitely uh, structure a system like that where like uh, let you could have like a battlegrounds between like heroes level one to ten, and you have you know mythics that are insane and they've got all like the like stat boosts and all that stuff and they're just farming that tier but because that is probably a thing that you know you don't want to incentivize 
um, the way that you you know skirt that is by making it so that whatever PvP or PVE that you have earns experience, and then like naturally the hero will eventually get out leveled out of that. So just by having like even a tiny bit of experience gained from like something like level one to ten bracket um, will eventually remove that possibility. But okay, but. Well, this is where it gets a little messy, and maybe you could clarify this since you're an industry expert. You've worked on games. Pay to win is a really toxic term. No one likes that term. No one wants to participate in that term. But the reality is this sounds essentially pay to win. And so that's where it gets really murky to me. Is it, is it an investment or is it a game, and does that matter? So do you think it's problematic if ultimately it's like, hey, I have more money, I will get better rewards, I will poop on you, and we can both win and still have a good time, is that okay? How do you see that playing out? Um, so it's totally structured on how they design their skill, like their combat, like and how much skill is involved. So ideally, you would want ha to have some element of like, if I pay, I am better, but or like stronger. But at some point, um, skill should be able to, to overtake that. And that's a really hard thing to design. Like uh, you can see it um, sometimes in like card games, which is which is my background. A lot of people will call something like Magic the Gathering play to win because uh, it's like the best cards are the most expensive ones. But ultimately, like uh, someone who's really skilled piloting a pretty shitty deck against someone who's piloting the best deck and is you know not very good, the the unskilled player will still win. Um, so it. Totally depends on how they structure the PvE and PvE, like depending on how pay to win it is. Um, but you have to remember, like this is still a crypto game, so they're gonna reward investment. Like it's just, it's sure. just gonna happen. Um, in saying that, like it, it, they would be highly incentivized long term to try and avoid a situation where someone who's completely unskilled can just have you know three mythic dread knights and win every battle um so it's it's a tough balance like there's it's totally it's it's extremely tough and there's like no clean answer and at the end of the day someone is always going to be upset okay um, my but... vote is uh dota chess but with the dfk heroes auto battler resolver skill involved but better heroes are better okay that's what, Risky, yeah, that's what if you're listening the comment members or the community members are saying robert He's saying teamfight tactics, which is, I believe, oh. le leagues uh, auto battler. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, I could get and, behind um, that. <laughs> I mean, here's, so, most... yeah. here's how I, based off of the way that they've talked about it, on like there was that game mechanics AMA, and I think actually isn't the next AMA coming up game mechanics? I can't remember, but I mean, so it sounds like they're still developing it. They're still trying to figure it out, but it kind of sounded like you'd go out there would be some you know some auto resolving uh elements you'd have a chance to make some adjustments so would the other player make some adjustments you know it does another round of resolving and then you make some more adjustments it's kind of like um uh, baby and punch was talking to me about Krabata yesterday where like you send your crabs out they go mining somebody goes and loots them then the person getting looted has a chance to you know make some adjustments and then the person looting has then again a chance to make adjustments on top of that and then it like resolves like a rock paper scissor resolve kind of a thing but i mean i could see i could see a situation where I, I don't know how many times you'd have like a chance to like make your adjustments but i could see like a lot of skill and in going into this and having having to have a knowledge of like how do the elements work how does the i think they call it the background of the cards like you know mm. they're city arctic you know you have all these like locations that the heroes are from and then their element and they've said that those will play a big impact on combat so um maybe there will be like sideboard mechanics where you could swap somebody in uh, i don't know yeah okay, even well, if it was just like a, a pokemon like battler like something like that would work yeah extremely well with the uh, skill base so along that line, Petrify, walk us through. I know, you've, like I said, you've done a ton of thinking about this. You've published some great articles. If I'm a player, maybe I have three heroes, maybe I only have two, but I'm looking to get my third, you know, limited resources. How should I, what's the best, most optimal way to approach my quote unquote top three? If I'm looking to have three heroes, I want to participate in PVP. I've heard there needs to be three heroes. How, what is my mindset high level? How do I approach that? 
Yeah. So like the the first like the first thing I did was like I had a I had a really good hero. So it, it didn't really it doesn't the first one you own doesn't particularly matter in my opinion. Um, you probably want to shape the the team around like the first thing you own or like the first uh, like let's say like in my case I called a mythic thief, um, and I was like okay this is kind of insane I'm gonna try and structure a team around this. Um, so once I had that starting point of like, okay, Mythic Thief is like kind of interesting because in my view, it's like a magic finder, like thieves have very bad stats, uh, when you look at them in almost everything except for luck. Um, and if you're in the description of luck, it's like, well, this is going to mostly just improve your ability to earn loot. Um, but if you think about it, I was like, okay, I can probably build a luck based team where I have a Mythic Thief and then I have two other really good heroes that also I've been putting points uh, into luck on and then maybe I cannot maximize my ability to earn crazy loot which seems very nice in a PvE sense for a play to earn game so I'm hoping that's the case like my, I think my mythic thief is the highest luck per level right now by like a long way so hopefully um, that's useful <laughs> but uh, if you are if you're trying to uh, like design around PvP or PvE in terms of the optimal ability to just destroy um, there are a few classes that I think really stand out based off of stats. And of course, like, I want to like disclaim, this is like heavy speculation. We don't know anything about like what those active and passive abilities do. We don't know like what the class skills are. We don't know, um, what the subclass skills will end up being, if they will be any. Um, but what I did was I categorized each, um, hero into like what they're best at and like gave them all a rating on like physical damage, magical damage, tanking ability for like physical and magical tanking. And the way I did that was just based off of their descriptions. Um, so like the descriptions that the devs gave us for each stat. And there are a few like really good standouts. Like in, in my opinion, like the, the, the biggest standout is the Paladin. Um, so it has both the highest endurance and vitality gain over time, um, which is extremely crazy when you think about the fact that there are dread knights and dragoons which are still like one and two tiers above it um you know if you simulate uh, like totals by level 100 you'll get the paladin being the highest vitality and endurance and those are both defensive stats so if you're looking like from a purely like uh like iron zero heroes and i want to like speculate probably the first hero i would buy would be like a really good paladin and use mm. that as like my my theoretical tank because like every single game i've ever played a tank is like kind of necessary um from dps you have a ton of options and by the way that also extends to like knights knights uh, perform really well from like a budget perspective um they have like very good vitality endurance as well um and yeah they're only five less so yeah paladin has an 80 percent roll rate the knights are only five Jeez. less than that yeah. Well, and so this begs the question, though. So, uh, Sandwich Punch is looking at the stat growth. So, uh, Knights, is this a Knight or is this Paladin? This is Knight right here. So, Knight has terrible intelligence, wisdom, and luck, and then really yeah. bad agility and mediocre dexterity. And so, have you done any thoughts on, hey, is it important to just have stats, or is it really important to just have a lot of high growth stats and you know, if I never get any luck or intelligence or wisdom as a knight, I don't care. Do we know? So basing this off of something Hubert said, um, he said that like the the highest growth stats they have will be their most important ones in combat. Um, okay. So, so like, you're saying when like, I got plus three wisdom and no strengthening on my paladin, that should feel really <laughs> bad? Yeah, that should feel bad in my opinion. But <laughs> um, like, you know, I still think like you're probably going to need... Uh, based off the descriptions, like probably every hero will want to have a decent amount of agility because it determines like how quickly you get to act, um, which seems sort of like a combat uh, speed must have. Yeah, like must have, like in my opinion. Um, so like I'm paying attention to agility on all my heroes. Um, something like luck can seem important from like a magic find perspective and also crit rate. But in terms of like int and wisdom, like if I have, uh, you know, something that i'm theorizing is a physical dps i don't really care if i'm not rolling any like i'm not trying to put any points into it it says something about magic resist but yeah i mean unless it's a tank i'm not gonna care hmm. um 
I still think that you should probably want to like just completely min max early. Like there's no point putting any points into anything other than its highest growth rate stats early until proven otherwise. Um, Wait, so you're saying you have some ideas, but always stick to your highest growth rate. Is that correct? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Okay. And uh, if you're unsure, like early on, you should be putting a point in vitality on every hero um, as one of your bonuses. So basically I'm doing like the two highest stats as my two bonuses. Um, so my thief is an example. I'm doing like lock guaranteed, then I'm doing agi, and then I'm going to put a point in vitality. And the reason is vitality is shown to compound early. So the earlier the points you get in vitality, the more health it'll end up with later. Like if I put 20 points of vitality on level 99, it's going to have very small health total compared to a vitality early on. Sandwich Punch, did um, you have uh, feedback on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, so the the stat spreadsheet for DeFi Kingdoms, like where it has all the growth stats, now has a tab on HP and MP growth rates and how the formula works. So if anybody's wondering what uh, you know Petrify is talking about when he says that vitality has a compounding effect, you can come and read and see how this works. But essentially, you know, vitality, the, like if you hit a large HP roll, and so the way, just really quick primer on this, so like every class has a percentage chance to hit either a small, regular, or large roll for HP whenever they level up. And depending on the type as a different formula. So large will take th a flat 30 plus your vitality times 1.5. So it, logically, if you have a bunch, if you level up some vitality early, it has more chances to hit like a large or regular vitality buff and give you more HP over the course. So like leveling up 10 vitality at you know in your first 10 levels has twice the impact of this of like if you leveled up 10 vitality at level 50 because from level 50 to 100 you only have 50 chances to level up level 10 to 100 you have 90 chances to level up so so that's we kind might of what he see, means by the compounding effect we might see people this is very late so we don't know but i'm saying it's based on what you're saying sandwich and petrify as heroes level up we might see vitality lesser prioritized, heavier prioritized now, and lesser prioritized on a slope because, like you said, the compound effect begins to dwindle the later we are. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, by the way, that also applies to intelligence and wisdom, like for like my summoners and sages and stuff. Uh, I'll put, you know, points in intelligence and wisdom, um, which I should be doing anyway, but uh, you definitely want to do it because it also compounds your mana the same way. Got it. Interesting. So, uh, if so, an, an ideal economy three stack. I think I heard you say paladin is money, knight is money. Do, do you see? I mean, again, we're speculating, but as a game designer, I feel like you have some pretty good intuition about this. Do I need a ranged class if I don't have a magic class? Am I okay if I'm really just trying to pick three heroes right now? How would I do that? So, like, I'll use my example. So, I have this like mythic thief. Um, and I end up picking up a mythic dark knight that was very cheap. Um, shout out to Bobo, the bot sniper. Um, so I, I got it off him relisting. Um, and dark knights are very interesting because, um, from my perspective, they look mostly like, uh, DPS, um, but they could be, uh, range DPS in that, that they have very high intelligence growth. So maybe they're casting spells. Um, they could be a melee DPS. So I've got those two heroes and I'm kind of just chilling for now, like wondering, can I use my Dark Knight as a tank? Can I use it as a melee, as a ranged? Um, and I'm holding off on buying my third hero until I figure that out. But um, I think that you should probably like get two and wait is my current game plan. Um, so I'll have like my Paladin, for example, is like a physical tank and I'm sure of that. And then maybe I'll see a really good deal on like a, a Sage as like a spellcaster slash healer. And then I'll just chill and say, okay, is the Sage good enough as a dedicated healer? Will I need a priest? Uh, will I need a melee DPS? Can I use the Sage as like range? And then I'll chill. But knowing that the Paladin and the Sage are different is enough for now. I would like, at least me personally, not committing fully to like a three combo yet. Um, I'm just waiting and it, it my ideal like dream scenario right now if i was to pick like a like three combo 
without any budget, it would obviously be Dread Knight, Dragoon, and Sage, because it's just like the three best heroes. Right. Um, <laughs> but if it was like a budget restricted one, I would pick like like very low budget. I would pick like Knight, um, and then I would pick probably Archer, and then I would pick I think Wizard or Priest, um, just because it's like a decent mix. Um, you have your tank, you have like a healer or a magic caster, and then you have a DPS that's ranged. Um, Baby Punch loves that because he's got a lot of archers, so he'll be really good in PvP. I rate archers very highly, even though like this article doesn't really reflect it super well. But they have like very competitive stats, and if you look at just from an art perspective, they're like one of the only range physical <laughs> DPS. Um, right. And yeah, I think like. It, it, from like a mid-tier like advanced if i was picking just from pool of advance um i'd pick paladin obviously and then i'd pick um summoner like guaranteed and i would either go i'd probably go for the dark knight um i don't really rate ninjas very highly like they have great agility but it, like in my mind like agility lets you attack quicker but does it let you do anything else like they have very high dexterity as well, so unless well, crypto, dexterity... Crypto with Toss just pointed out, pirates could be physical, you know, they have their pistol, so I guess yes, yes. they could be the other physical. Good point, and, crypto. And by the way, pirates, like, perform very well in the physical DPS category. Like, they had very high growth rates of basically all of the ones that I consider strong for, like, physical DPS. So I think pirates, like, maybe a little bit slept on at the moment. Hmm. Um, so it's a good point. Okay, I'm holding feet to the fire here. Um, I want the panel to guess the month in which combat will come out. We're going to start with Petrify. We're going to go to Sandwich, and we'll go to Baby Punch. My personal guess is August 2024, so not super bullish on the timeline. So Petrify, um, month combat comes out. Best guess. So you're talking like very basic combat? Yeah, like maybe first peak. iteration. Uh, hmm. I'll go October. Of this, this year, 2020. Yeah. 2022 okay october yeah. sandwich punch uh because i'm writing this down i'm bringing this up yeah yeah maybe go to maybe go to baby punch give me a second to think about this <laughs> baby punch best guess here let me get i got my notepad out so petrify said october 2022 yeah we're probably i think it's going to be the latter half of this year. Um, That's I think sep I think September would be really optimistic. I don't think December is out of the picture. Could it be a year? I could see that happening. Could it be two years? It's a realistic I possibility. It's a realistic possibility. <laughs> Quoting the office. Um, now, honestly, I kind of think it'll probably be somewhere in maybe... September would be really awesome, but I don't think that's. Realistic. So, okay, so I'll give my thoughts on like just it generally, but somebody raised a good question here that, that I think we should discuss. So, I like you know looking at the roadmap, I'm actually pretty optimistic. Uh, I think that we'll see, and I guess it depends on what you mean by combat, but I, I think we will yes, see some yeah. form of combat, whether it's PVE or PVP by july like um, yeah the, let's call the end it of PvP. july let's end call it PvP. pvp like okay so pvp so you know i'm gonna highlight this comment here i'm not even gonna try to pronounce that name but he says we need combat to conquer lands so i will say that will involve i don't know if this will be that won't be i don't think it'll be fully fledged combat i think it'll be some sort of algorithm they run that rolls based off of your stats. And I don't even know if it will be like a PVP thing. I have no idea. I don't, you know, conquering lands could mean you're like conquering it from, you know, the environment. It could be mean, like, I don't, I have no idea how that's going to roll out. But I don't think that what's going to roll out for land, which I think will happen long before uh, like full-fledged combat. I don't think that that is going to be like the combat that we're talking about and contemplating when we're talking about like PVP tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why, that's why I said like, it depends on what, what you mean by combat. Like 
something like a algorithmic, like I sign a transaction and then it checks my stats and determines whether I like kill something or not. Um, probably like could be even like before uh, October, but like maybe like adjusting mid combat, I would see like October or later. PVP, I wouldn't imagine will be this year. Um, it's probably a lot more complicated. Okay, last question. I know we're about to end here. Last question. Maybe I'm being stupid. And and uh, Petrify, you're way smarter than me and you have way more technology experience. So you can tell me if this should be possible. I've been questing from the beginning. I have a pool of about 30 heroes. I am so freaking sick of questing. Can I just get a button that sends all of them out? And so I sign a transaction or maybe a button per area like a forager button so i don't have to click here click there click everywhere is that possible am i being dumb are you sick of questing too i mean it's definitely possible um it it, it becomes a question like do the developers want to do that like <laughs> they uh, want me clicking more right more clicks yeah it's also like i would consider like from a development perspective something like that to be pretty low scope like a, like low priority not low scope low priority um like you know it only affects like big whales, a lot of the big whales, you know, nefariously or otherwise, what might be botting. Um, and it's a quality of life improvement is very complicated. So generally quality of life improvements are quite low priority and Got the more it. complicated they are to build, um, the, the lower priority it is. Sandwich so, Punch, I know you have a fat pool of heroes. Would you love that? Or are you like, no, I enjoy clicking more i love clicking man i just it's <laughs> the best uh I'm getting resentful i wake up i'm like oh i don't want to do this again but i have to because this is how i increase the value of my heroes honestly i think the one the one that i hate the most is gardening i know um yeah. i just have like my gen zero pool just creates a lot of gardeners and then yeah, i just feel like i'm kind of stuck with these gardeners but i'm like I, I care too much about them to sell them. So I, I, yeah, it would be awesome. I, this was actually raised back like during the wishing well, there was an AMA and I had, I had kind of an op opposing view. I was like, Hey, if you, why don't you let people do it? But it comes with like a cost, like the more that you send out, uh, maybe you get a little bit less rewards, but you get the benefit of, and they kind of did that with the six, you know, being able to send six people out. Cause if you send mm. one person out, it's if you send six people out one, like individually by themselves, it actually takes less time than queuing like sending all six out together, yeah. like in the aggregate. So that's kind of like the penalty for the convenience. But you know, thinking more about it, is that not the wrong incentive? Because that, in, that doesn't that then just incentivize botting? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I was gonna say. Should and, and I think the concern initially was like, well, but if you do it the other way, just like it's this huge incentive for wells, they're going to have hundreds of heroes and you should be like, click, you know, fine, charging me the gas for all hundred transactions. But I think that's better than any room for botting. But, you know, they're talking about botting policy and, you know, what they're going to do if, if you're botting. And so maybe you fight it with that, but. By the way, yeah, I would love to click less. Uh, I would this, love to click this. Less. This is this like amount of clicking is like totally intentional, and like it's the totally the reason behind it is because they want to implement scholarships eventually. Like, I don't think they want people to own hundreds and hundreds of heroes and be questing on all of them simultaneously. I think they want you to have like a core group of heroes that you focus on, and the ones that you don't want to put energy into, you use for like scholarships. Um, well, and I'm sure there's a way you could like. I'm sure programmatically you could probably catch a massive portion of botters and have super high penalties based on behaviors that bot you know like mutual behavior shared by bots so you could penalize bots right or maybe you don't want to do that right so i don't think that uh discouraging botting and like penalizing botting is actually the best way to go about it like i think you need to design such that someone using a bot shouldn't get any like real tangible advantage um like perhaps uh yeah i don't I, I don't know and i think that's probably one of the reasons why they're vocally against botting is because they do want to go down the scholarship route and like if everyone's botting then what what's the point of having a scholar because true i can i can just bot it and get the rewards myself and they don't take any card and that's a really good point on the scholarship system and honestly i think we all should be rooting for 
an, an ecosystem where a, a scholarship system makes sense because if a scholarship system doesn't make sense you know our biggest players our biggest wallets out there will never have an incentive to to essentially lease their heroes in a scholarship program and that means that the floor and the barrier to entry will forever be this thousand dollar floor price hero and that makes it very hard for mass adoption so something that i don't know if i dreamt this or made this up <laughs> but i feel like when i first got into dfk i remember reading something about commoners or like free to play heroes that were... yeah no that was back in amas back when um t uh tango was on a lot of the amas they definitely talked yeah. about that I don't think that they, so you could go back and read the AMAs for anybody that's listening, but the, the whole concept was like, maybe like a lesser hero that's like playable, you can do something with it, but it's not the same benefit as like actually owning a hero. And I feel like they have talked about it and they mentioned it, but like it never was like decided. Okay. Yeah, because I was very bullish on that idea. Like I like definitely like having like free to play heroes that are maybe like, not even on chain they're just like controlled centralized and you can get some sort of rewards and eventually you can like emit them into real heroes or something like i was very bullish on that idea and i hope they revisit it because like i think that's really one way to get mass adoption but in saying that i don't think that they're prioritizing mass adoption right now which is a right. very good decision they are prioritizing crypto natives which is completely the right way to go Awesome. Okay, we need to wrap, but I want to give a special thank you to Petrify for coming. I personally felt like his commentary was amazing, and he brought a lot of value. So thank you so much for coming, Petrify. Um, make thank you sure... for not putting Sats' uh, bags. Oh, thank yes. you for the no uh, fun. Look at whatever Sats has <laughs> and sell it immediately. Um, be sure, Be sure to be watching for Combat Early 2024. And uh, we will see you guys. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Thanks, Petrify. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.